as I said, on Saturday, we had a meetup and we talked about recovering our creativity. And it was really, it was a really interesting conversation because I think when you meet up with other people like you, you're like, oh, I'm not alone. Like there are people who actually get it, who actually feel the same way that I do. And so I feel like for a lot of people, they feel like they have to find themselves, right? Everybody's kind of on this journey to find themselves. And so there are numerous books about it. There are numerous, you know, events and workshops and all this other stuff like to help find, find you, to help find yourself. Like, who am I? People come into the world and they're questioning like who they are, you know, what this life is really all about, um, questioning the validity of their lives. You know, people think that their lives are unimportant if they don't leave like this huge mark and impact on the world. And even though I don't agree that that's true, I get it because we're all searching for meaning. We're all searching for um, belonging. We're all searching uh, to matter, to matter. And so as I always talk about here, you matter because you exist. Like that's, let's start here, right? Like you matter because you, you exist. We talked about finding your purpose before, right? We, we talked about how people, again, have made multiple million dollars like trying to find your purpose when really um, your purpose is not just one thing. This is just my opinion. Your purpose is not just one thing. Um, you have multiple purposes over the whole like period, the whole lifeline of your life. As a child, you know, maybe your purpose is to, you know, bring joy to your parents. As, you know, a parent, maybe your job is to raise your children, to like instill in them your beliefs and to help them become better people. As an elder in a community, maybe your your purpose is to provide information, wisdom, and a wealth of wisdom and knowledge to people coming up underneath of you. So I feel like in every phase of life, we always have a purpose. We always have um, a reason to be here. I just feel like we all have purpose. And sometimes we trip ourselves up by looking for purposes outside of ourselves. And it's like, what is my purpose? And we look towards these people who seem to have it all together, who seem to have it all figured out. And then we're sitting here looking at ourselves like, dang, I ain't doing nothing, right? Like I'm worthless. Like nothing I'm doing is like noteworthy when really you just living your life is noteworthy. So um, we talk about purpose, we talked about meaning and all this other stuff, but I really do want to talk about finding ourselves, right? So again, people go on these long journeys um, of trying to find yourself. And this is an activity and kind of like an exercise that we did at the meetup that I want to share with you guys here because I feel like even though we were black women coming together and talking about this thing, I really feel like it's important for people everywhere, for people of all genders, all backgrounds, whatever, to talk about how to really find yourself. Um, yeah, so let's get started. Let's get started, shall we? So I had everybody take out a sheet of paper. And on that paper, I wanted them to draw themselves. And so it didn't have to be perfect. It was just like, you know, anything that would represent them, right? So for me, I made my person kind of look like a gingerbread man. <laughs> So this is me, this is representing Alicia as a child, as a child. And um, so really, ideally I would have like a picture of myself or something or like a representation of what I really and truly look like as a child, but well, just for the sake of this, um, for the sake of this exercise and for the sake of time, I'm just gonna draw this and pretend it's me. All right, so when we're talking about like finding ourselves, a lot of people believe that like we're lost. Like there's this idea that we have lost, I guess a sense of self, but also like that somehow we've been born here to find ourselves as if you know we're somewhere far off away. People travel the world again, people go to extensive lengths to find themselves. When really I think ourselves, you know, our true self, um, one is not outside of ourselves, right? So starting at birth, um, there are some truths about us that just never change. I think we talked about that here, here before. I said before that I'm not qualified to 
um, I'm not qualified to judge myself because how I feel about myself is dependent upon like the day and the time and my mood and did I eat today, all this other stuff, right? But really there are truths that we're born with. There are things that we're born with that are just unchanging. Like, and we should hold on um, to those unchanging truths. So for example, you're loved, you were created, you were knitted together in your mother's womb, um, you're valuable, you're a masterpiece. These are things that don't change. Like it doesn't change with your age, it doesn't change with your experience in life. It doesn't change with people's opinions, right? And, the, and I feel like the issue for us is that um, we base our worth and our value in people's opinions so much that we that we do tend to lose ourselves. And maybe not lose ourselves as in like you lose a pen or something, like you drop it on the floor, but maybe lose ourselves like so put something in front of something so you can't see something, right? So if, if you're putting all of these other people's opinions of yourself um, in front of in front of yourself, in front of your your true um, value and your true worth and your true identity, then yeah, you're gonna feel like you're lost because you can't see yourself. So, um, hi Barbara. Barbara says, hi Alicia, snow and ice receding. So I'm doing good, that's good. I like the snow and the ice. I don't like being out in it, but I understand people have places to go and places to be. So yeah, so hi. But yeah, so we always feel like we have to find ourselves like, oh, I have to dig in my purse to find myself, right? So to speak, just for the sake of example. When really, it's really just that we can't see. Our, our eyes have been covered with so much filth and like stuff that's not important, right? That we can't see ourselves clearly. We can't, we can't really see our value. So again, back to this example. Um, this is an example of me as a child. For those of you who are just coming here, welcome. This is me as a child. And you know, when I was born, right? There were certain characteristics that I had as a child that you know, children, they just they just have personality about them. Like they don't have to really learn anything. They don't really have to learn how to be themselves. They just are like they just are authentically them. The good things and the bad things. Right. So kids are inherently selfish. Kids are inherently very me, me, me. Like I need I need I want I want. Um, children are very adventurous. They're curious like they're they're um, their ability to bounce back from failure is a lot, you know, a lot more intense than ours. Right. Like we kind of lose. We become risk averse the older we get because we don't wanna fail. Kids don't care. Like kids, kids like they think that they can fly. You know what I mean? Like they have such a capacity for imagination and for freedom um, that we kind of tend to lose as adults. And I feel like because of that, kids are able to be themselves. Kids are able to be authentically themselves without really worrying about what other people think about them, you know? And I really believe that as children, we're very clear about who we are, right? It's an, it's. It's just up until somebody tells us that we're not, that we start to doubt ourselves. Um, I talked about this before. Me and my friend Jordan had a conversation about children and how growing up in the school system kind of kills your dreams. So like you go into a classroom and we talked about this at the, meet at the meetup as well. You go into a classroom and every kid, you will ask every kid, who's a great artist? Every hand goes up. Who's a great singer, musician, painter, um, actress or actor? everybody's hand goes up. They believe that they can do anything. They believe that they're capable of like being a superhero. Like if you ask them, they, they'll tell you that, right? But at some age, like maybe second or third grade, then they start doubting themselves. And you see people putting their hands down. You see people like second guessing, like, oh, maybe I'm not that great at this, you know? And you wonder like, what happened? What happened when they were kids that all of a sudden, now they're questioning their ability to be great at something? And then who determines who's great at something and who's not, right? Like, what is this, 
what is this thing, what is this scale that we're, we're measuring our worth and our abilities on? Like, and who made it and why does their opinion count more than my own? Because maybe I am a phenomenal artist, right? Maybe I'm a phenomenal finger painter. But at some point, like as a seven-year-old, right? But at some point, somebody told me, finger painting doesn't count. Finger painting is not art. Like you have to get brushes, you have to use a smock, you have to use um, a, a canvas, but also, a, um, I can't even think of the name of this, like the dish that they put the paint on. Somebody will tell me. <laughs> but you have to like, you have to do these things in order to be considered an artist, right? And kids, as they don't care. Like again, we talked about, you give a kid a box, they're in a spaceship, you know, they're on the moon, you, you make a fort and it's like, this is a kingdom. This is like castles and all this other stuff. Until someone tells the kid, this ain't a castle, this is blankets and, and um, tabletops and chairs, right? And adults, unfortunately, and maybe even some other kids who have had their dreams crushed by other adults, adults crush the dreams of their children. Adults crush their the dreams of their children and I don't think they do it on purpose. I just feel like at some point, Maybe they feel like, oh, my kid has to like wake up now and realize that he has to go into the real world, right? In order to survive in the real world, you have to have these skills. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to do these things and I want you to thrive. And so therefore I have to take you out of this like dream space. Palette, palette, thank you. Thank you, Jamal. A palette, I think that's what it's called. Um, Barbara says, yeah, kids are resilient and feel nothing. No one, no one will hurt them. They throw caution to the wind. Exactly. Kids are like, my dream for if and when we have children, I want my kids to be free, like running around in a diaper with their bare feet on the ground, just like being kids. You know what I mean? Like, who cares what this world thinks about you? Like, the time as a child is so precious. Like, you are so protected and so open for like maybe four, five, six, seven years. And then beyond that, then we're always battling self-doubt and self-worth and, oh, I'm not good enough, right? When really, like, and I said this before, kids come out the womb knowing they're worthy. They know their worth until somebody tells them that they're not worthy. Kids, again, whether it's selfish or not, when a baby comes out the womb and it cries, it's like, feed me, hold me, love me, pay attention to me, give me all the things, right? And so as parents, we give it to them because one, you have to, they have to survive. <laughs> But then two, it's like, of, co of course I'm gonna give my kid what, what they want. Like, why not? Because it brings us joy to see them enjoy something we give them. And um, I, of course I think about scripture when, when, uh, when, when it says, you know, how many of you would ask your, how many of you would give your child a stone when he asked for bread? It's the same thing, like it's like the joy, like it's my pleasure to take care of my kid. It's my pleasure um, to, and again, I'm just saying this, I don't have kids, but I imagine me thinking of my kids in the future, if we have kids, um, how amazing that would be and how joyous that, that would be to be able to see them use a gift or see them be, be uh, praised by me just because of who they are. And so as children, we were free. As children, we knew who we were. We were selfish. And yes, we had to learn how to be, you know, giving and how to share, all that stuff. But even learning how to share, there's some, well, there's two thoughts here, right? So the first thought is scarcity. It's like, I can't share my stuff because it's mine. And if I if I don't have my stuff, then I'm not gonna have my stuff. And then somebody else is gonna have my stuff and I'm gonna have nothing. Or it's also, at the same time, I feel like it can also be, no, that's mine. Like, I'm worth that stuff, right? And we have to teach our kids to share. We have to teach our kids to be, to be giving and generous. Um, but again, they come in the world as selfish human beings and like 
knowing that they matter, knowing that they have worth. Because if they didn't have worth, they wouldn't be asking you for stuff or like, you know, throwing a hissy fit when somebody takes something from them. Um, and again, even though we have to learn maturity from childhood to here, I feel like somewhere along the way, we throw away our self-worth if we're not careful. Again, this isn't the case for everybody because some people have really good parents. Some people have really good friends and community around them to instill that sense of self-worth in them. Um, but for a lot of people, like we lose, we, we lost a sense of self at some point. Again, it could have been a teacher who said, you're no good, you're not good at this. It could have been schoolyard friends who are like, you're trash or who beat you up for being yourself. Um, I feel like school, public school especially, I don't know about any other kind of school. I feel like school is a place where dreams are like dashed, you know, and, and your self-worth is challenged. And again, I don't think it's all school. I don't think it's every class. I don't think it's every moment. Um, I was lucky enough to have friends that accepted me for the crazy and like weird person that I am. Um, but for a lot of people, they throw away themselves to survive. Like you, you go to high school and they making fun of you, you're gonna throw away your whole self to fit in because you don't wanna be the odd one standing out. You don't wanna be made fun of. You don't wanna be hurt. You don't wanna be rejected. And so you do what you have to do, um, yeah, to like hold your ground and to survive. Whereas like at some point as an adult, you don't really need those survival tactics anymore, right? You're, as an adult, you kind of feel like something is missing. Like something, something is not right. Something is out of order. Like, and we feel it because we feel that we've abandoned ourselves. And so um, Jay says, I agree. We at some point exchange our worth with external things rather than the internal, like grades, awards, money. Exactly. And in, in, in our meetup on Saturday, um, someone said that money was grades. I mean, sorry, grades was money back in the day, right? Grades were money. And so... Like, even though, yeah, as kids, unless you had a job out of high school, like you're not really making money from the stuff you're turning in, but we're taught, we're conditioned to be like, my worth is dependent on these things. Grades, acceptance in community, and I don't know, acceptance with adults, with, with supervisor figures, like with teachers and things like that. We're taught to value those things. And so whatever, whatever doesn't serve that purpose gets thrown away. Cause we, we can't do it all, it's too much. Like, even I think about the school system, taking eight classes at a time and being in a school all day long, um, commuting to school back and forth, it's preparing us for the workforce. It's preparing us to be, to be workers. Like literally we're trained at five. We're trained at five years old to be a worker. College is the same way. You know what I mean? Like again, but instead you're, you're making money, you're spending money <laughs> to like eventually, hopefully make some money in the future. So I agree, like at some point we exchange our worth with external, I agree, I definitely agree. And so for how many years are you in, in public school? 13, for 13 years, if you include kindergarten. And some people went to pre-K, so I don't even know. I didn't go to pre-K, I don't think. Um, but for 13 years, we've been conditioned to believe that who we are, if it's not adding to the system or these grades or this you know, acceptance with community, who that person is is not valuable, it's not important. And so again, at some point, you know, whether it's midlife crisis or whether it's, you know, in college, like for me, like I said, it was a quarter life crisis. I was literally 25. Like, what am I doing with my life? Who am I? I don't know who I am. And so I'm buying all these books and I'm doing all these things, trying to find, trying to find myself, right? And it's funny because this, this idea of finding yourself is, it's embarrassing because it's like, it's like, you know, when you look for your glasses and your glasses are on your face. 
and you're like, I don't know, for all my glasses wearers out there, or maybe like, I don't know, maybe it's a cell phone. I know that's kind of common. Like you're on the phone talking to somebody and you're like, where the heck is my phone? Where the heck is this thing? Or again, with the glasses, where are my glasses? Like they're on your face. The phone is in your hand, but yet we're searching high and low, tearing up the room, looking in all these places for this thing that we already have. It's the same thing with ourselves. This is just my personal opinion. Again, I'm not licensed in any way, but um, this is just my opinion. So in the meetup that we had on Saturday, we did an exercise where again, we drew ourselves like this. And so in the inside of the, of the person, we would write who we were as a kid. So you can do this at home. You don't have to draw a person, but you can just think about it. And I'd love to hear um, your answer. So you can type it in the, um, in the chat. But like, who were you as a child? Who were you as a child? Like when you think back beyond the point where you felt like you had to die to yourself or die to yourself, you felt like you had to like kill off part of yourself. Like when you were free and running around and rolling in the dirt and nicking your knees and itching in the grass, and you know, experimenting with things and just making stuff for the sake of making stuff. Like, who were you as a kid? Like, who were you as a kid? Um, I know for me, I was very curious, very, very shy. Um, I don't know what that was about. I really don't know what happened, but I really think it's because me and my mom were together for so long and my, and my great-grandmother, at some point she came down to take care of me, helped take care of me. Um, but yeah, I think that was my world. And so anybody else outside of that, I was like, mm, don't know you. Um, but I was very curious, I was very creative. I was very experimental. When I was younger, I wanted to be an inventor. I wanted to invent things. And I wanted to I wanted to make buildings. Like I would draw these underground dwellings and I'd be like, in the backyard, I'm gonna dig. Like, and I knew this was gonna happen. I was like, I'm gonna dig in the backyard, um, this underground like bunk bed, like this bunker. And I was like, this is amazing. And I would take my sheets and I would draw it out. Um, and like, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how can I really make this work? And again, I have no knowledge about architecture. If I did it, I probably would have like, my parents would have killed me, right? But there was no not telling me that I was gonna build buildings or that I wasn't gonna invent, invent things. Um, I also mentioned at our meetup, I invented the iPhone. I invented a multimedia player, okay? At the time though, it was like a VCR tape, like, like, a, like literally a tape player, a VCR CD player, um, you can call people, you can get on the internet on it. And at that time, the internet was like really new. So that was like, oh my God, this is like, this is like groundbreaking. <laughs> and and um, I had that idea for that and it could record things. And it literally just consolidated all the stuff that my parents used to carry around. And so, and then, you know, when you're a kid, people will tell you, girl, that's not gonna happen. That's not gonna work. And what happened? Zoom came out, what, creative? All these other multimedia player, I again, iPods and stuff like that, all these other multimedia um, devices came out. And as a kid, like you're thinking, you know, everybody said this was dumb, but now people are making millions of dollars off this thing. Like I should have cashed this thing in. Um, I, I knew I was gonna be a writer. I wrote everything. Like I, I bought like these book, um, how to publish your own books and things like that. Like I wanted to do that when I was like 10. Like they would have those little commercials on like stations like that would play Maury and stuff calling if you want to um, publish your book or calling if you want to have your invention. I think I think they still show that commercial. Um, but yeah, but I really want to know you guys, who were you as kids? Who were you as children? Um, I was, hmm, I was free. <laughs> if any word were to describe me as a kid, I was really, really free. Like I was, 
I was just free. Like there was nothing that could harm me. There was nothing that could hurt me. I did not know heartbreak before I knew heartbreak. I didn't know heartbreak. I didn't know failure. I didn't know, um, I didn't know rejection. You know what I mean? Like again, with my parents at the house, like at the time, you know, I had both parents in the house and like, this is, this is normal. This is, this is, this is everything. And it wasn't until I went outside of that house that I really felt rejection. I told you guys, my dad was in the military. And so we moved from Virginia beach to DC to PG County. And, um, when I went to school there, I was the odd one out. I was very strange. I was very strange. And a lot of kids made fun of me. Like a lot of kids would like tease me, make fun of my gums. Like when I smile, I have big gums and it's just, it is what it is. Um, shout out to Marquita. But, um, uh, I would, I would, <laughs> I would be made fun of for like just being myself. And I think at some point I said, okay, Alicia, you gotta tuck, you gotta, you gotta reel this back because who you are is not going to serve you well. It's not gonna, it's not gonna help you to survive here in elementary school. And again, that was elementary school. That was kindergarten. That was kindergarten and kids were making fun of me. Um, and so I think it's interesting that when, when kids, when kids make fun of other kids, I really feel like somebody hurt them first. Like where do, when kids like coexist with each other before like they know judgment, they're all playing around with each other. And it's like, it's okay, we're gonna make this up. And it's okay, you can be the horse and I'll be the whatever, like whatever it is, kids are very open. But it's but when, it's almost like the parent who tells their kid that Santa Claus doesn't exist. <laughs> and that kid comes to school the next day and is telling all the kids, Santa Claus not real. Stop believing in Santa Claus, right? They start projecting that negativity on other kids. And again, I'm not saying just believe in Santa Claus, but like at the same time, I think it's that same spirit. You know, it's like as, as a kid, you're open to everything until people tell you that that you can't be open to everything and then if a kid another kid around you is being open to stuff they're free then you're going to see their freedom as a threat or you're going to start criticizing them because somebody criticized you so let's go to your answers i'm interested so jay says pull it up jay says if you ask my family they might say i was annoying <laughs> oh no <laughs> but i was definitely creative creatively free <laughs> and ambitious yes yes and again, why was that annoying? I mean, sure, you were the little brother, so listen, I get it. Like, I have a little brother. My little brother used to get on my nerves, too. But, like, yeah, like, you were creatively free and ambitious. Like, and I've seen the videos, Jamal. I've seen them. You were free. You even, <laughs> you were doing your own thing, but you were free. Barbara says, as a kid, a nurturer. Ooh, that's nice. I remember fighting fights for my little sister who was actually bigger than me. Wow. And I didn't want to fight anyone. <laughs> Listen, if it comes to people you love, you will do some things that you don't usually do. So I totally get that. Marquita says, you're looking at my gums. Me. Okay. So let me give you guys just a backstory real quick. It's a real quick tangent. Um, Marquita and I went to high school together. And her mother would um, her mother would give me rides home reluctantly, but she definitely did it. And I appreciate every single ride. And so one day we were in the car on the way home. And I, I think I had smiled or said something and I was very self-conscious about my gums back then, about the fact that my lip curls up when I smile. And so it reveals all these gums. And so um, all this gum, I don't know if it's like gums, plural, but anyway, so it would reveal my gums. And so um, I felt really self-conscious. I thought she was looking at my mouth. You know how people like look at you and they, like, they look down, like they look at your mouth or your nose or something. And so I saw her looking at my mouth and I was like, you're looking at my gums. <laughs> 
like and my insecurity just came out and Marquita was like what like like what is wrong with you right but I was so insecure and so hurt from all the years of like kids in elementary school and middle school making fun of my gums calling me gummy bears saying I look like a horse or a monkey or all this other stuff that I'm like oh my god like I can't smile now my smile is one of my favorite things about me right but like at the same time because I was dealing with my own personal hurt and my own personal insecurities um I was like I don't want her to think I'm ugly I don't want her to think I look like a monkey like just all this stuff so so yes that that was hilarious and to this day we still talk about that moment like and I'm sure Marquita in the moment was like girl you crazy you crazy um Barbara says protector yes yes that's good I feel like there was always that kid in the neighborhood who was a protector like when they came around nobody messed with anybody else Every 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 click, every little kid click needs that. I definitely I definitely agree that every click needs that. So shout out to you, Barbara. I don't know who I was, and they were just again just weird. But anyway, I love it. But again, I think I think freedom is definitely one of the words that a lot of people would say that they were when they were kids. I mean, granted, you didn't have bills, you didn't have rent, you didn't have to do, to do the adulting thing. But I think beyond that, I I feel like we still had this sense of like. No, this is who I am. I'm amazing, right? Like, I'm great. Look at me, you know? And again, kids, like I said, will come in the room. There's this meme and it says, kids will come in the room and tell you to like watch what they're doing and they'll waste your time by doing it. Um, like a, you know, a kickflip or whatever it is. I think I've said that before. But it's funny because they know that anything they do is awesome. Anything they do is noteworthy. Anything they do is worthy of your time and attention, even if we don't agree. Like when you're talking to your friends and a kid comes up to you and, and just like tugs on your shirt, hey, pay attention to me now. That same, it's, it's, it's fueled by a sense of self-worth, a sense of self-value and a sense of like, oh, I belong here, I belong. And again, as kids, we tend to forget um, who we were, who we were and, I'm sorry, as kids we forget who we were because of things that we went through. So at some point, you start off being free, you start off being creative, you start off having fun, right? You start off being social or whatever it is for you that you describe yourself as a kid and then something happens, right? Something happens. Like um, someone says something to you, someone, you know, laughs at you, somebody humiliates you, a teacher, a friend on the, on the you know, basketball court, whatever it is, like somebody says or does something or something happens that has you questioning your worth and your value. Right? And so all of a sudden you come from this like this confident, courageous, free kid to like this timid person watching your every movement and every step because you don't want to face that rejection anymore. And we start to protect ourselves because being rejected hurts. It sucks. It sucks, right? But at some point, because like searching for belonging sacrifices more than we actually understand and know. Like trying to belong, trying to be safe. You do what you can do in the moment, but beyond that, you forfeit yourself. You forfeit like the essence that God put in you. Like you forfeit the good stuff, trying to be liked and accepted by everybody. And that sucks. Barbara says, they were teasing you because they knew it bothered you. Yes. <laughs> you have a beautiful smile. Wish I had dimples. Oh, yay. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah, I, I agree. I, they definitely knew it bothered me because I definitely cried. Like, I cried. Again, like this military kid with no real like kid friends. And then all of a sudden I'm thrown into, 
you know, elementary school and people were like, you look funny, you dress funny, you talk funny. And I'm like, do I? Like, I start just questioning my whole, my whole, all my, my worth. I start questioning who I am. Like, my mom told me that I'm beautiful every day. And then I go to school and these kids are saying that you're ugly. And then I think that my mom's lying to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I think that like, oh, you've been lying to me for five years saying that I'm beautiful. I'm not beautiful. I don't look like these people. I don't like this girl who, you know, is the popular one. And I was taller than everybody else in my class. So they were already calling me manly. It was just a whole bunch. It was just a lot. And so, um, yeah, like they definitely, once they like smell blood or once they see blood in the water, it's, it's over, it's done. And thank you. I appreciate that. That really means a lot to me. Hi, Priscilla. Priscilla says such a word. Oh yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're, that you're able to take something from this. Searching for belonging sacrifices more than we know. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Sis, if you don't speak on that word tonight, I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, I'm just glad that you're, that you're able to get something from this. Um, but yes, like, so again, we sacrifice more than we know. Like we give up more than we know. And we think safety is like the ultimate, like this is what I need. This is, and in the moment, maybe you do need safety as a kid, right? But safety is not worth it if you can't be yourself, if you can't be who God created you to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is the point? Personally, I'm just be honest with y'all. I'm working through my own fears and my own, uh, my own self-worth and value in the sense that like, Am I, am I qualified? Like even doing this live, right? Every time I do this, I get nervous. I get so nervous because I'm like, what if I say something stupid? What if somebody doesn't get what I'm gonna say? What if people say something mean? And safety would tell me, girl, don't even, don't even turn on that camera. Just go, just go watch TV. Just go hang out with your husband. Like go eat something, like get on the phone and talk to your friends, you know, and there's time for that. But at the same time, am I willing to throw away who I am? Not who I wanna be, who I am for the sake of safety. Safety looks good, safety feels good, safety like, it's like, come, just cuddle with me. Like it's like warm, cozy blanket, right? But all the while it's strangling you to death. <laughs> like all the while, even though in the moment, I feel like there are times to pull away and to get under people and under things and like just pull away from society. But one thing that, that safety will do if you're not careful is that it will trick you into believing that this is the best place to be, that it's, that it's easy it's easier to be safe, right? It's easier to be safe in the short term. Long term, it's not because we forfeit so much. There are people who choose safety and 30 years down, down the line, they're like, why the heck did I do that thing? Why didn't I start that thing? And I never think it's too late for anybody to start anything, but I don't wanna have that regret at all. I don't. And so again, even in my fear, I'm showing up here and talking to you guys and doing this thing and I can't draw. And so like, you know, I'm doing this stuff and again, safety would say, girl, don't do it. But I know that, that who I am deserves honor and time. Who I, who I am deserves time to develop. It, deser it deserves time to fail and to be bad at something and to become better at something. It deserves to be seen. It, de it, doesn't, it deserves to be like not tucked away because I'm afraid of what other people are gonna say or think. Um, Winged Wolf 500 says, sounds like you can, you can compare it to Peter Pan and Hook when he lost his memory and ability to fly. Wow, that's a good analogy. That's a really good analogy. I didn't even think about that. That's perfect. Jay says, that's interesting that the words of strangers seem to have more weight than those, th the word, I'm sorry. It, that's interesting that the words of strangers seem to have more weight than those closest to us or, or ourselves. I, I think so. I think when I'm younger, it does. Um, when I'm younger, I feel like 
the words of strangers hurt me more. As I grow older, the words of my friends and loved ones hurt me more. So like I have a fear of being seen by, we talked about this before on a previous live, I have a fear of being seen by people I know. Like when I see people I know in the comments, I'm like, oh, like, you know, because I value that relationship. I think as kids, it's, it's just kind of like jarring because, um, or just starting something new is jarring because you're so used to being in, in a community with people who know and love you and support you. And so when you come out of that community and you go into, you know, this, the school where you're new and you're small and like, you don't know anything, you haven't experienced anything. And these, and these people, you know, tear you up, you know, cut you up, so to speak. Yeah. You're going to bleed. And so it's like, Oh my God, I never knew such pain. I never knew such rejection. So I think for me, starting something new and then being a kid, like those are the times that I'm most like tender, the times that I'm most like, afraid of like other people outside of my core people. Um, yeah, cause it's, it's risky, it's risky. And everybody who's not your friends or family, they don't owe you anything. They don't owe you to be nice to you. Like, even though I think everybody should be nice to everybody, um, they can say what they wanna say because they're not attached to you. They would never talk to you. Like some of the criticisms I've gotten, even in music and stuff, people have said mean things to me that they would never say to their parents. <laughs> like they would never say to their kids or their friends, right? But it's like this wall, like the internet especially has created this wall where it's like, oh, I can say whatever I wanna say and there's no consequences to my actions and therefore they go hard, like they just go ham for no reason. And then people on the other, other end, if they're not careful, they're like, oh snap, like this person hurt me and cut me. You know what I mean? So, Edenia, hi. Wait, Edenia, wait, that picture looks familiar. Fear that you're, fear that you're not good enough. Yes, yes. The fear of not being good enough, for sure. Like, listen, that fear will hold you back. And the thing is, nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody has any idea what they're doing. Everybody is just winging it. Like, even the people we look up to, again, I said this before, there was an artist who throws up, and he's been performing for like years, for decades, throws up before every single performance. And then he gets out there and he kills it. And we think like, oh, it's just easy. And like for him, it's like, no, every performance I throw up, every performance I'm, um, every performance I'm nervous, I'm scared. And I really feel like this idea of good enough is like, what does that even mean, right? What, like, what is, what is good enough? What is good enough? Good enough is not a good enough, uh, a good enough uh, measure of someone's talent or ability because it depends on everybody who thinks is good enough, right? If I clean my room, for example, when I'm a kid, I clean my room I'm like, well, it's good enough. My mother will come behind me and be like, girl, this room is messy. You have to clean it, right? So depending on other people's idea of what good enough is, is gonna stop us from doing the great things every single time because nothing is ever gonna be good enough. And again, I, it's easier to say it than to apply it because every time I try to do something, I think, oh, am I good enough for this? Is this, you know, like, is this good enough? Is this good enough to put out in the world? And I really feel like the only way to get better at something is to do it, is to be bad at something. Like we all have to be brave enough to be bad at something, to suck at something, to struggle through something, to figure it out and to become better. You know what I mean? Yes, okay, so again, back to this, back to this drawing of the child. So on the inside, you would write who you were as a kid. And again, that could be anything. That could be you were free, you were fun loving, you were experimental, you were uh, creative. I feel like everybody is creative. You're born creative. Every child comes in the world with an imagination and you still have it. Even people are like, I'm not really creative. Yes, you are. You problem solve, you problem solve, you problem solve, you problem solve all day long. Like you are creative. 
And so, again, kids don't have to learn how to be creative. Kids just are. Like, you put a kid in a room with a blanket, they tie it around their neck, they Superman, they're, they're doing flags. They'll find a million things to do with one object. And so I think, I think it's not a matter of, again, finding yourself, finding your creativity, finding, like, your dreams and all this other stuff. I feel like it's not a matter of searching outside of yourself and going out looking into the world. It's a matter of coming back home to yourself. It's a matter of, like, unlearning. So before I get ahead of myself, on the outside, so again, we, we talked about the inside of this, right? The inside is who we were as kids. I wanna do yellow, cause I like yellow. All right, so the inside is who we were as children. On the outside, let's do this. On the outside of the of the this example of the of the kid, I'm like stuttering, you would then write who you had to learn you had to be. So again, because of whatever happened in your life, because of, um, I don't know, someone saying something mean to you or someone judging you, maybe you started to believe that what they said was true. And so because someone hurt you, you're going to like pr- protect yourself. Like I said, like you stop being all of yourself. And then on the outside, like who you had to be, who you had to learn to be to survive. For example, um, I was I was really weird. I, I still am weird. It's okay. Like I'm coming back to that and I'm owning it. So I was really weird as a kid. And the kids in my classroom as a as a child, like in elementary school, taught me that being too much, be like that being first of all, that you can be too much, right? And then secondly, that being too much means you won't have friends, means you will be alone, means you'll be ostracized, means that you'll you'll never have you'll never have friends, right? And so from learning that I'm like, okay. Let me not do too much. Let me not be all of myself. When I want to say something weird, I'm not going to say it. When I want to do something strange, I'm not going to say it. Um, and so therefore, I was very quiet, um, very like into myself because I was so fearful of being embarrassed. Like em- em- like I'm trying to tell you all, you talking about strongholds, like the fear, fear of embarrassment, um, the fear of embarrassment was like a stronghold in my life. Like I did not want to embarrass myself for nothing. I did not want to bring any shame to my family, to my friends, to myself, because I saw that like, once you shame yourself, once you embarrass yourself, that's it. Like it's, it's social, it's social suicide. Yes. Cantrice or Cantrice, Cantrice. Tell me how, um, if I'm saying it right, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. it. Says kids aren't jaded. I agree. I agree. Kids are just so pure and just so like untouched. And that's why, like, I, I want to get back to that place. Like, I just want to get back to that to that place as, as much as I can anyway. Um, Barbara says, good enough is being comfortable with yourself so you're able to ignore naysayers to a point. Yes, constructive criticism is always good. I agree. I agree. And we have to learn how to differentiate between con- constructive criticism and, like, just people being trolls and just being mean and nasty for the sake of being nasty. And, um, yeah, like... Because either side is bad, right? Every single constructive criticism someone has to offer, it's like, I failed, I suck, like, da-da-da. Like, you'll never do anything. And then on the other side, if you're never taking in what other people say, then you're never going to improve because people have, people, some people want the best for you and you should, and you should consider, consider, oh, you should consider their opinions and what they have to say. <laughs> so yes, constructive criticism is always good. And I had to learn how to take constructive criticism um, I wouldn't like lash out if somebody gave me constructive criticism. I would literally just like, I suck. I'm horrible. Everything I do is trash. Like I'm second guessing everything. When it was like, no, Alicia, one, like calm down. Nothing you do is perfect. Like everything can be improved and these people want you to improve. And so 
because they care about you, they're gonna offer you encouraging encouraging words and and um and criticisms. <laughs> Marcus says, this gingerbread child is cute. Thank you. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Cantrice, yay! Okay, awesome. I got it right. Awesome. So I wanna know if you all are willing to share again. We did this exercise on Saturday, but if you're willing to share, like, who did you learn that you had to be? Or who did you become in order to survive or in order to uh, to kind of hide yourself, to not stand out so much? If you want to share. If you don't, that's that's totally fine, too. But, um, you know, but we're all friends here. It's a safe place. But, yeah, so, again, in the blue area is where we kind of put on all these things. Like, literally. Like, so, I don't know. I'm just gonna play around here. So let's see. I know that I had I had to learn how to be smaller. Like literally, like again, kids telling you, why are you so tall? Like, why are you so manly? Like, you know, boys, even though, I mean, in elementary school, should you be really dating boys? No, but like, a lot of the boys in my school be like, I don't want to date you. You too tall. You too skinny. Like, you know, just stupid stuff like that. And I'm like, I have to be smaller to be loved. I have to be smaller um, to be respected and to be attractive. Um, and so smaller as in like shorter, but then also my personality, like because I'm just weird, like and, and crazy sometimes it's like and crazy, um, whatever. I'm going to own it because I'm weird. Um, a lot of people were off put by my personality because I was so free. It's like, let's collect caterpillars and put them in little boxes and put, you know, like just stupid stuff like that. Right. And so I learned that I had to tone down myself. I had to make myself smaller to, to fit in with everybody else. What's something else? Um, I had to learn, Ooh, that let's see in order not to be rejected, I mean, it's kind of go along with smaller, but like hiding, like hiding myself, hiding who I was. Also, uh, any any instance of like making yourself like, oh, I'm good at this thing. Like that was seen as like pride with some of the people I was hanging around with. And so it's like, oh, I can't, I can't actually celebrate myself at all. Like everything that I'm saying that I like about myself is considered prideful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and again, like who you had to learn, who you had to learn how to be really started to form who you were. It started to form your personality. It formed everything. Like it formed like what decisions you would make, what you would wear to school, what you would say, what music you would listen to, um, what people you wouldn't hang out with. If people were looked at as like a pariah in school, like you, you wouldn't hang out with them because you don't want to be associated with them. Like everything, like we were so conditioned as kids and, and up to belong, to want to belong so bad that again, we shaved off all of our real interests, like all the things that we really wanted to do. And again, some stuff was not our fault. Like I talked about at our last live, um, like the experience that I had with my, with my dance instructor and how she kind of just kind of trampled my dreams, right? And so I was like, well, I'm not good at that. I'm not gonna do that anymore. That wasn't fun being rejected. <laughs> but really deep down inside, I, I did wanna dance. I did wanna be a dancer. And um, stuff like that, that's something totally different. But at some point, actually, is it different? It might actually be the same. At some point we choose, again, safety, and that forms this, this uh, kind of avatar of not who we are, but who we actually want to be, who we want to be. And so all this stuff is on the outside of you. I'm just gonna like squiggle <laughs> because it could be anything, right? 
all this stuff is outside and we take it on. We put it on like a jacket. I don't have anything in here that I can put on. I have a bag, but anyway, just think of a bag, right? You put on a book bag and then you put on another bag. You put on like a little messenger bag and then it gets heavy and then you're walking around and you're exhausted and you're tired of putting on this facade, right? You're tired of wearing this mask. You're tired of being this person that you're not, right? And then, um, and then at some point you realize this is really heavy. Why is it so heavy to be myself? Why is it so laborious to keep up this thing? Why is it so much work to try to keep up this appearance? Like, what, what is that, right? Um, your mom a nurse, your sister a nurse, you have to be a nurse too. You have to be, you have to be a nurse, not so. You have to be a nurse too? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, yeah, if, you're, if your parents and your siblings and all this other stuff, you have to be like, you're gonna be like, oh, you're gonna do this too? I feel you, if that's what you're saying, I feel you. If not, correct me. Um, Danielle, this is good, sis. I'm glad. I'm glad you can get something from this. Yay. That's my, that's always my prayer before I go live. It's like, Lord, give me something to say. Give, give me what you want to say. But yeah, so you are putting on all this stuff and it's heavy and it makes sense because it's not yours. Like all these personalities, all these things you're doing to keep yourself safe, all this like garbage that you've taken in to, to know it's truth, to believe it's truth is really heavy. And so then you're like, oh, now I have to go outside of myself. <laughs> now I gotta go outside of myself, wherever that leads, outside of myself to find myself. Now I'm lost, I don't know where I am. It's like, you know, again, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very messy, I'll admit this, I'm very messy. I'm not dirty, there's a difference, I'm messy. So like I'll have stuff everywhere, like just piles of books, places. And so sometimes my stuff is just lost in my room. <laughs> And I'm like, where is this thing? And then I go out and go buy another, whatever it is, say it's a pen. I go out and go buy another pen. And then after I clean up all the mess, I'm like, dang it, the pen was right there. Chapstick is that was what I do often. I'm always looking for my chapstick, my phone. Um, I was gonna say my chapstick, my phone, and something else, a pen, I don't know, something else. But either way, tell me what it is, baby, and <laughs> let me know. But I'm looking for these things and I'm thinking they're not there because I can't see them because they're underneath all these books or a pile of clothes or whatever it is, right? Or maybe it's just under like literally a book sitting on the desk and I have to I just have to lift it up. And I feel like for us, we're searching for everything outside of ourselves, like to find stuff, like to find stuff. And really it was there the whole time. It's been right under our nose. Again, I use that example of like looking for your glasses with your glasses on or like looking for your phone while you're talking on it. It's like, where's my, where's my phone at? Like I've done that so often, so many times. And you're using the thing you're looking for. And you're in, in, on the inside, you're like, hey, I'm right here. And your five, six, seven-year-old self is like, I've been here waiting for you this whole time. Where have you been? Like, where have you been this whole time? You're looking for, you know, your child. It's the same thing as like looking for your child in the, in the store and like you're holding their hand, right? Like it's, it sounds, it sounds crazy. That's not, that example sounds crazy and silly, but like, really it's the same thing. Like our child self, our child version of ourselves is usually the most pure version of ourselves, the most like authentic version of ourselves. Kids say stuff that they're not supposed to say. They're do, they do stuff they're not supposed to do. I mean, we have to teach them how to tailor all that back. But at the essence, at the core, who you were is who you were birthed to be in this world, like who you came into the world being. And I really feel like, again, besides like the truths, like who God made you to be, like who God says you are. You are created, you are loved, you are a masterpiece. Like there are truth that just, truth that just, truths that just does not change for everybody. 
everybody's loved. Everybody's important. Everybody's a masterpiece, a work of art, like all this stuff, right? But there are certain things that are specific to you that God like put in you and you're not being the person that God put you to be. And then you wonder why you don't feel like you, 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 you fit in with yourself. You wonder why you feel so lost, right? Like you, you, you feel like, you feel like something is just not right. Something is missing. And then we, we feel like, oh, I need to go on a, you know, a trip or I need to go to this thing, this conference or whatever to find myself. And really all, it could be as simple as listening to the, in, listening to the um, child inside of yourself. I'll get to that in a second. Um, Danielle says, same. Yes, I'm messy. Okay, messy. Um, Marcus says, you're using the thing you're looking for yourself. This, exactly, exactly. Um, Danielle says, I'm working on not hiding anymore. Same. It's hard, but recently I've been really, it's been really in my face. That's good. That's good. At least like, at least you know what you're doing. That's the first step. Like some people don't even know that they're, that they are hiding, you know? And then I guess like you should ask yourself, like, why are you hiding? You know, what, what is the worst that could happen if you, and again, I'm saying this to you, Danielle, because I'm saying it to myself. I'm working on that. Like literally this week, I'm trying to make a video about that and just putting myself like, you know, exposure therapy. Again, I'm not a therapist. But this idea that like whatever you're afraid of, you just keep putting yourself in front of. I'm trying to make myself seen. Like this is why I do lives like this too, to make myself seen. So I don't have an excuse to be like, oh, I need to hide. I don't have any place to hide here. There's no editing this video. Anything could happen. You know, it could it could fall apart. Like, and so I'm trying to set myself up for worst case scenarios to happen. And so if they happen and when they happen, I'm like, oh, it's not that serious. It's not that big of a deal. But really ask yourself like, why are you hiding? You know? Um, but yes, Kentry says, I often feel like a square. Okay, being forced, I'm like a square, no. But I see what you're saying. Um, I often feel like a square being forced to fit in a circle. Hmm. This world has many distractions and if you aren't secure with yourself, you will live a very uncomfortable life trying to be something you're not. Exactly, exactly. Um, I even wanna talk about this example of like, of like stuff that we like, right? Stuff that's like sold in mass, like, Everybody's wearing the same shoes. Everybody's wearing the same clothes. Everybody's listening to the same music, you know, all this stuff. And I really, sometimes I think to myself, one, I wasn't raised to, first of all, we didn't have money for all that, um, for all like the fancy shoes and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm glad that we didn't because I feel like I was able to form my own opinion about what I liked and what I didn't like versus like what the masses are telling me I should like. And um, I feel like for a lot of us, we're just conditioned to just like what they tell us to like. You know what I mean? To do the things that they tell us to do. And then there's a moment for everybody where they're like, why am I even doing this? Why am I wearing this? And some people like, I don't even wanna knock it because some people really are sneakerheads. Some people are really into it. Like it's a whole culture, right? It's a whole thing. But for a lot of people though, it's just like, oh no, I just wanna fit in. So I just wanna wear these things. And I'm using a shoe example because that was kind of what was happening when we were in school um, in PG County. It's like shoes or clothes or whatever it was. Um, and I stuck out because we would shop at thrift shops. We, we would shop at Payless, you know what I mean? When Payless was a thing, RIP. And, and because of that, I grew kind of a, a thick skin to like people making fun of me about, about clothes. I didn't really care about any of that stuff, but it really taught me to like, um, it taught me to like the things that I actually like. I had no access to the, to the masses, right? So I was able to do that. And I really feel like sometimes we should look at ourselves and be like, do I even really like this thing? Or are people telling me to like this thing? And I feel like to be a good person, I have to like this thing, if that, if that makes sense. Danielle says, yeah, it's hard, especially being an introvert. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> I don't know if I'm an introvert or not. I feel like, I feel like at one point I felt like I was an introvert. Hold on. 
Marcus says, RIP Payless. <laughs> yes, RIP Payless, I was so sad. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I am an introvert or if I'm just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, maybe I am. I feel like in small communities, like in one-on-one, -on -one, um, maybe I am an introvert. Like one-on-one -on -one and like small people that I really like, small communities that I really enjoy. Like this is perfect. I think that I see like nine people watching this right now. This is perfect. Like, but like if it's, if I have to engage with a lot of people for a long period of time, that's draining. Um, but also with the people that I do hang out with, like I let all of myself go, you know what I'm saying? So, and that energizes me. So I'm not even sure. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, I feel you. Danielle says, right. Yeah, that's good. Oh yeah. I'm glad. Barbara says, I taught myself to speak correctly from the projects. Tease at a party because of my speech, but realized with my work around various people, I had to in order to in order to communicate with many. You have right, okay, got you. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I feel you. I feel like on some level we all kind of code switch. We all code switch. Like, um, I was made fun of in high school. Like they said that I talk white at the time. I don't know how I sound now compared to then, but um, I was like, talk white. What 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 does that even mean? <laughs> what does that mean? And um, they're like, you're not from here, da, 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 you talk white. And I did grow up in PG County, technically. Like I wasn't from PG County, but I grew up in PG County, but I didn't sound like PG County people or like what, what seems to be like the norm. So I feel you on that. Um, yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yes, RP Payless again. <laughs> um, Edenia, Austin, again, please correct me if I'm saying it wrong. Um, I'm trying not to be a follower, but lead the way. Yes, I agree, I feel you. I feel you. Wingable 500 says, shoe addicts, the one who say they are bad at math but couldn't flip them for, wait, shoe addicts are the ones who say they are bad at math but couldn't flip them for profit. Oh no. See, that's a whole world that I don't even, I know nothing about. I just like, that's a whole That's a whole thing. And, it, and it's a whole, like, again, it's a whole culture. And there are people who flip it and, um, and you know, like, they sell out, like the shoes sell out really fast. Again, I just follow people who are shoe shoe um, shoe people. Um, that's not my that's not my strong point, but I feel you. So yeah, so again, we're walking through life with all the stuff around us, just mess, just mess, just mess, just all around us, and we can't see ourselves. We can't see our own reflection. We can't. We don't feel free. We feel heavy. We feel burdened, and all this other stuff. And then all we really need to do is really ask ourselves, like, who was I when I was a kid? Who was I before? I felt like I had to be this person. Who was I before they told me I had to go to school, right? Who was I before they told me, um, oh, you can't, you can't make a career out of that. Who was I before someone rejected me or broke my heart or, and it doesn't have to be romantic. It could be friends, like, or it could be your parents. Your parents can break your heart, you know? Like, who was I before, there's this phrase that says, who was I before the world told me who I had to be? Who was I? And really like do the work because sometimes we can't remember and we, we think like, Dang, who was I? Like, I don't even, but really like, just think back to, to yourself when you were a kid, when you were out there playing around with your friends, what did you do? What did you enjoy? What brought you joy? What brought you like, like wonder? Like what made you come alive when you were a kid? All that stuff, all the stuff that I do now, like interviewing people, getting people stories, making music, writing stuff, like taking pictures. Before I knew you could even be a photographer for pay. Like again, in high school, I would take pictures of everybody. And so I would carry that stuff, I carry that stuff with me now and I'm getting back to the heart of those things, but those things were always with me. And even still being a photographer, I was a storyteller. It was the same thing, capturing stories, capturing people. It's all aligned. And I feel like when we're trying to like either recover a sense of self or our dreams or just hobbies or interests um, or who we are as a person, 
I feel like that's when you start to feel free. So then once you like take away all that stuff that's like, that's just extra. Again, for me, it was the hiding and the making myself smaller and um, the rejection that I was trying to avoid, the pain of like losing friends, um, the pain of losing um, respect from people or, you know, uh, once you tell people your dreams, it's a very vulnerable thing. And so some people are not going to be on your side. Some people are not going to cheer for you. You know, I'm actually interviewed Marquita. She's here. And one thing that she said that was really like profound is like sometimes your family and your friends are not your people. And that's OK. Right. Let that That's OK. And I took them either rejecting the art that I was making or rejecting or not getting it or them not being my people as them rejecting me when really they weren't rejecting me. They just didn't understand or didn't get it. And it wasn't for them in the first place. Right. And so we can kind of like mix that together and be like, dang, like I'm, I suck as a person. And in order to keep this person's friendship, I have to kill this part of myself off when really it's just like, maybe you just need some other community to share this thing with, you know what I'm saying? Like if you, if you're, if you're, I don't know, if you're a painter and your friends are like, I don't get minimalism. I don't, I don't get, again, I'm, I'm going into waters that I don't know. So I don't even know why I brought that up or like, I don't know, um, about impressionism or impressionism or whatever it is like all these other different kind of techniques and your friends don't appreciate it it's not that they don't appreciate you they just don't get it go hang out with other painters go hang out with other people who get it and i really feel like as we do the work to undo and unburden and unload from all these identities and all these beliefs that we've taken in for so many years because it's going to take work like i'm 31 i'm um, and going into school at five like 26 years of people conditioning me and telling me to be somebody else that I'm not, that's gonna take work to undo, but it's worth it because what I find is that even though it's painful, showing up here is painful, the process is painful, it's 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 nerve wracking, I'm sweating every time I come on here, I tell y'all this all the time, but I love the fact that I feel free in this moment. Like, I love having conversations, I love talking, I love connecting with other people, and that stuff matters more to me than the fear that I feel, than, than the fear of rejection or people not getting me or people throwing me away, right? And you all are great people. Like you, you all haven't said like a mean word to me yet. And so that, that matters too. Having a good community around you matters too. But once we can get all that ugly and filthy and heavy stuff off of us, that's when we can start actually reclaiming ourselves and finding these dreams that we think we're trying to, we think we're trying to find, you know what I mean? Like I got to find my dreams. You were born with dreams. God gave you dreams, follow them, do the thing. And, and even if they're not clear right now, follow the small, like little, little, um, little steps. Like maybe it's like, Hmm, I want to go get some paint. Why? I don't like, I'm not a good painter. Like we automatically come up with these excuses. Why don't, I'm not going to waste my money on paint. I'm not good at it. I got to take classes. Just buy the paint and just have fun. Finger paint for goodness sake, do what you want to do but follow those little inklings that God gives you to lead you to the next thing and lead you back to yourself. And, and honestly, it brings God, I really believe this, I believe that it brings God great pleasure for you to be yourself, for you to own all of yourself. Like I feel like God right now is smiling at me. I do, I'm gonna cry, but I feel like God is smiling and I'm not doing anything big. I'm just going live on Facebook and YouTube. Like that's it and I'm talking to people because it, warms my heart to be able to connect with other people and encourage them and to help them feel seen and be like, me too, sis, me too, bro. Like whatever it is, like that makes me feel good. And I feel like in turn, that makes God feel good because I'm doing what he put in my heart to do, to do like just something small. So I really challenge you guys to get to the heart of really who you are. Let's do this. I want to draw a little heart. Let's get to the heart of who you really are, who God really chose, like created you to be. Because I feel like once we are in those spaces in those places then like 
that's when we'll, that's when we will feel clear. That's when we will feel. Let's hear it go. Yeah, it's a heart. That's that's when we will feel like we found ourselves. You're not you're not lost. You're just covered. You're buried. You're buried underneath all this wreckage and all this like all these heavy things. And you just have to unbury yourself. You have to dig up, dig yourself out of the ground, out of the rut, out of the heavy stuff, and really just accept who you are and be like, this is good enough. Like this is this is who I am. In process. Like you're never finished a process. So like waiting to be good enough, like that's not that's not a good reason. Like be in process in public. Do the thing. Um, and I really feel like then we'll start to actually start to find ourselves. So if that makes sense. Um, and Dina, yay. Okay. You said you're saying my name right and I thank you. Yay. Awesome. That makes me happy. Thank you. No, but if, if, if I get any of you guys' name wrong, please tell me because I'm very big on that about getting people's name right. Um, Danielle says, yep, that's it. Rejection. I feel you. Rejection sucks. It hurts. Rejection hurts. Ugh. Um, and some people don't know how to reject or not even reject or just not get a thing without rejecting a whole person. And that's their work to do. But a lot of the time it has nothing to do with you, with you. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's it takes work to get there because initially it's like, oh, they don't like me. They don't love me. I suck. I'm trash. Um, but yeah, that's um, Jay says, give gives glory to God when you're walking in your gift. Absolutely. And purpose. We're designed to live for his glory and the good of others. You're doing that right now. Praise God. That makes me happy. And it's so true. That is so true. Like we think giving God glory has to be this big thing. But I really agree with you. I really do think that it brings God glory and enjoyment and pleasure and and it and it just like makes him beam when we are just comfortable being ourselves because this is who he created us to be. Is it not? Like, did he not give us our personality? Did he not form us in our mother's womb? Did he not put our little things together? Even the dimple, I have like one dimple. I don't even know what side it's on, but I have one dimple, right? It's like those little, those little like touches is like, God is like an artist in, in all things and he does all things well. And you are a complete work of art and you are made and put together well. You are beautiful, you're wonderful. Like you're wonderfully made. Like it's, it's not just words. Like you are literally a walking piece of art. And so to say to yourself that somehow my personality, my being, all this stuff is not good enough, like, and I get it because again, if you have 26, again, in my experience, 26 years of somebody telling you that you're not a work of art, people throwing paint on you, people people defacing you, like saying horrible things about you, you're gonna believe that you're not, that you're not worthy, you're not beautiful, but you're priceless. You are priceless, you are wonderful. Like, literally full of wonder, like full of wonder. Full of wonder. And it, that includes your personality, that includes your quirks and your interests and your passions and all the stuff. Like, y'all gonna get me going. But either way, like, I hope that I hope that what I said made sense. I hope that you got something from this. And I really hope that you start being all of yourself, like all of yourself, following every single inkling, like every interest. And every interest doesn't have to be a business. It could just be an interest. And really just taking pleasure in delighting in the things that God gives you to do that God has put in you, your, again, your interests, your hobbies. Like, again, I paint, I'm not a painter, but it feels good. And I feel like in that moment I can connect to my creator, right? And I can just create something for the sake of creating something. Like when he created you, he said he needs another you. He needs another Barbara, he needs another Danielle, Jay, like all of you, he needed another you, you know what I'm saying? And he created you because you make him happy. We don't necessarily need to be here. I feel like we do have work that we have to do that he wants us to do, but really, God is complete in himself. He doesn't need people. He doesn't need animals and trees and like all this stuff, right? And more stuff to take care of. I mean, he's God, so maybe it's not work for him. 
but he does it because it brings him joy. And we can do that, and because we're made in his image, we can do things that just bring us joy for the sake of bringing us joy. You feel me? And that brings him joy. Um, anywho, Danielle says, this is helping me. God has really been talking, talking to me about this. I'm glad, I am glad. And I'm working with it just like you are. Being seen, rejection, all that stuff, because that's traumatic. Rejection is traumatic. You know, we are, we're geared towards community. We're geared to belong, you know, to, to contribute. And when we feel like we can't contribute, when we feel like our best isn't, isn't considered contribution, then we start to question like our value. Like, I feel like that's, so rejection, it makes sense. It makes sense, sis. Barbara says, love the pick, love the red heart. Yay. Comfortable with being amazing you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that so much. And Dina says, joy comes when, when you, when you're happy doing something, even if you like it and hang it on the wall. Absolutely. I don't have nothing right now, but at my mom's house, when I was staying there, I had paintings on my own wall and I painted those things. And I agree. Like it brought me joy just to look at that stuff. And I'm never going to be in somebody's museum for painting. Probably. I mean, I won't say never, but, but yeah, absolutely. If it's good enough for you, if it makes you happy, that's joy. Danielle says, Alicia, God is using you. I'm glad. I was just meditating on that scripture, Psalm 139, 13, 14. Yes, yes. For all of you who, even if you're not spiritual, um, that scripture is so, like that whole passage, Psalm 139, is just like, what? Like, I just, I take time and really think about this. Because if we tell God that his works are marvelous, if we tell God that everything he does is perfect, we don't have the ability to exclude ourselves. Like, we don't have the, we don't have, we don't get to exclude ourselves. Everything he creates is perfect. Everything he creates, he does well. He does marvelously, right? And so that includes you. That includes you. And every, every like, good work that you do, that includes you. So, like, literally, it's, it's like, we hear it all the time. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But what does that mean? What does that mean? Like, really think about and chew on that. What does that really mean? And again, checking ourselves. One, do we, if, if everybody's a masterpiece, how we treat ourselves, but also other people matter, like how we treat them, how we talk to them, how we look at them, right? Like that matters because I'm a masterpiece, just like you're a masterpiece, right? Just like you're worthy, you're, you matter. And so I'm going to treat you better because we are all masterpieces. And I also have to treat myself better because I'm a masterpiece. I don't get to talk down to God's masterpieces and that includes myself. So I hope that makes sense. But either way, I love you guys. I love you guys so much. I thank you for being here. Um, I really hope that you got something from this, from this little gingerbread, <laughs> gingerbread drawing. Um, and yeah, just go on and really think to yourself. You can do this exercise at home. You can just journal it. You don't have to draw it. But really ask yourself, one, who was I, right? Who did I learn that I had to be? Or who did I become? And then also ask, what is it going to take for me to get back there, right? So in our, in our meetup on Saturday, one thing I said was that I, that I was born curious and creative. I had to learn, I learned, you know, unfortunately, that, um, that being all of myself was painful because people rejected me. And so, and even the little endeavors that I wanna do, like, it's, it's scary, it's, it's too risky to do it. And so how am I gonna unlearn it? I'm gonna unlearn it by getting around people who actually love me beyond what I make, beyond what I create, and work with it through them in a safe place. Like it's just a matter of finding safe places. So no, I'm not giving up on the things that I wanna do because I'm gonna work it out in a safe place. So asking yourself the same question, what do you need to do to get back to your child, your child self? Your child wonder and awe and freedom and just like belief that you could fly, <laughs> you know? Like 
Who says you can't fly? You know, everything that's amazing right now, somebody told them that they couldn't do it. And they said, okay, I'm still gonna do it. Just like, just, just like children do, right? We have to get back to that place. And I feel like God wants us to get to that place with wisdom, with maturity, right? But still having that childlike sense of awe and wonder. Just like being, looking at a sunset and just being amazed and floored by the beauty of God, right? Just simple stuff. Kids are amazed by the smallest stuff. And it's time for us, I feel like, to go back to our child selves. So that's all I have to say today, guys. I hope this was helpful. You guys have made me very happy. Thanks for coming. Thanks for spending time with me. And again, share with somebody if somebody else needs to hear it. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, it's really weird for me to ask to do that. But it really does help me as a creator. Um, one, it helps me like boost self-esteem, but also it helps other people to, to find this stuff. So, you know. So um, Barbara says, oh, wait. Danielle says, love you too. Yay. Um, oh, hold up. Barbara says, when you criticize yourself, you're criticizing God. Oof. So accept that he has made you and strive to be better. I agree. I agree. Ooh, Jayla, please correct me if I'm wrong. Jayla Kennedy, um, I always get something from your talks. They're they're very refreshing as you, as I'm sorry, as are your adventures with Miles. Yay! So Miles is, for all of you who don't know, Miles is my, is my husband and on our YouTube channel for RVing and travel, and we go by Fox and Miles. So thank you so much for watching. Um, Thank you for being a creative for Christ. Yay! Listen, we all are creatives for Christ. I mean, who choose to be, but like, because God is a creative and we're made in his image, we're all creative. We are all creative and we're his image bearer. So whether or not we believe in him or not, we still are creatives for him, ultimately. Um, so thank you for that, but I appreciate that so much. Um, Cantree says, great live. Yay, I'm glad, that makes me happy. Yay, Marcus says, great job. Yay, thank you, thank you, thank you. So again, thank you all so much. Um, I will be back here tomorrow for music if you're interested. And I think what I'm also gonna do in the future is I'll probably, I don't know, y'all tell me what y'all think. I'm thinking about just going live on Mondays and like maybe every other week do music and then every other week do talking like this and creating. Y'all let me know what y'all wanna hear, what y'all wanna know. It's 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 whatever. But um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I just want to make sure I'm not doing too much and like overwhelming people. And be like, oh, wait, I missed it. I missed it. Wait. So I just want to make that, you know, make that a thing. So yay. Winged Wolf said great live. Winged Wolf 500 said great live. Thank you. I appreciate that. Jayla Kennedy says, yes, you pronounced it right. Yes. Not many people do. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a beautiful name. But yes, until next time, you guys keep loving yourselves. Keep creating. Keep doing the thing, do it scared, and really get back to the heart of who you are and who God created you to be because that matters and it brings him glory and it brings him joy for you to be yourself and to find yourself and uncover yourself. So, and you're a work of art and you're good enough and you're worthy of love and celebration. And yeah, like again, you're a work of art. Just just think about that. And also read Psalm 139 if you have the time and capacity, if you want to. Um, yeah, Jayla says, great job. Thank you, thank you. Thank you guys so much. And until tomorrow, you guys, I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.